Hello, and welcome to Into the Aether. It's a low-key video game podcast, believe it or not. And my name is Brendan Bigley. Wow, believe it or not, I'm Stephen Hilger. <laughs> Into the Aethers, believe it or not. <laughs> I like this magician energy we're leading with. <laughs> and for my first trick, I'll talk about <laughs> Paper Mario. <laughs> I'm so curious. Okay, so what's, what's going on? I want to hear. Okay. You talked about Paper Mario in the Thousand Year Door last week, which yeah. uh, I actually did start playing a little bit. I, I want to oh, mention. Cool. Um, I'm, I won't say how, but I started playing ah. it a little, <laughs> a little bit last week. Uh, great video game. Having yeah, a good really time. Good. Uh, our dear producer, AJ, was streaming <laughs> Paper Mario, the original Paper Mario for the Nintendo 64 yesterday on his Twitch channel, which you can go watch um, if there's a, you know, backed up broadcast or whatever. And it and it started to raise some questions. And I, I started to understand because you and I talked a little bit. I think in our segment last week about how Nintendo no longer allows uh, developers to do like riffs on like Goombas and Koopas and stuff anymore. They just like have to look like Goombas and Koopas. They can't have like hats and stuff. Yeah. Uh, Specifically, I I think just for like weird intellectual property reasons, you know, nothing that's like exciting. It's all just like weird legal nonsense. Yeah. Yeah. But from a certain perspective, I'm starting to understand why they would do that from like (laughs) like a. From like a a maintaining of these characters perspective, because honestly, specifically the opening of Paper Mario, which if you haven't played it, opens with uh, essentially Mario like ends up in a forest and gets like he like passes out in a forest uh, and and wakes up in like a Goomba village where like a bunch of Goombas are hanging out and they're like, we resuscitated you. We brought you back to life. We nursed you back to health. And then you like hang out and you meet all these Goombas. And it's like a whole family affair. There's like it's a whole village like filled with, you know, like a, a Goomba grandpa and a Goomba grandma and they're like oh we have so many grandchildren we love them all equally and you meet some of them and there's like Goombario as you were talking about who is like you know Mario's biggest fan and it really started this is the first time ever I don't know why this is why this took so long for me it was the first time ever where I was like Mario is definitely the bad guy in every other Mario game (laughs) because as soon as you start to give the Goombas that much personality it really calls into question like World 1-1 of Super Mario Brothers (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. It's very upsetting. It's upsetting on a lot of levels. And I just I think I just needed to like say it out loud because I've been thinking it for a couple of days at this okay. point. But yeah. like from the perspective of like, OK, uh, Bowser is like essentially uh, drafting and then brainwashing these Goombas into thinking that they have to fight Mario, which is sad, you know, from like from like uh, an enlistment and army perspective. But then there's also Mario who is like killing without consequence constantly these like Goombas who have a whole lives, you know, and like they're, they're just like trying to chill out in their forest and they even show compassion. It's very sad. <laughs> I and didn't I just, have I, this read, Brenton. <laughs> I mean, I think, I think you're onto something in terms of Mario being kind of completely vacant. I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, obviously the paper Mario games are like not really in the same universe, even though they're using the same characters, though there is the grander idea of the Mario timeline overall. Yeah. Um, I always kind of read it as like paper Mario and its sequels exist in like a post super Mario world, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, where Mario is this kind of like household name, but for like various reasons. <laughs> but yeah, it, I mean, I think like more, more like actually in the game, it is funny how they play with Mario just really not 
being a character at all, especially in Thousand Year Door. Like you were yeah. really just to the whim of whoever you meet, which is awesome. That's why those games are so fun. Because Mario is like weirdly the perfect canvas for the like default silent JRPG protagonist. Right. Um, they're which, sort of like got chosen one energy. They're inexplicably powerful. They have no personality. So they're just <laughs> there to like be a, a device for the plot. I don't know if I would say he's like the villain of the world in Paper Mario, but I know what you mean in terms of like the questions raised by giving so much character to you know the the mindless drones you fight in every other mario game yeah i think honestly like for for real this is not even like a bit uh i i started to like sympathize a little bit with nintendo stance on like maybe we shouldn't give these characters so much personality because oh, wow. I, was, I i disagree i think it's so much fun no, i mean no, no, I, loved, I, yeah. I think it's fun don't get me wrong i think it's yeah. fun i think it's i think it's great i think it's 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 a wonderful thing and it's the reason that those games are so funny but imagine if you're like six years old and you play paper mario <laughs> and then the next thing you do is go play like super mario 3d world on your nintendo switch and it's like here's a bunch of goombas that you just befriended yeah. but you got to take them That's out true that's kind of what I did, though. I mean, I actually had exactly that experience. <laughs> <laughs> but that is interesting. Um, but yeah, I mean, those games, again, we talked about those games a lot. If you haven't played them, absolutely worth it. They're incredible. Really, really incredible games. Yeah, either those two. or the Mario and Luigi games are really wonderful, yeah, which I just totally. realized I have another one uh, called Partners in Time that I didn't oh, even, yeah. I was just looking yeah. through all my like cartridges and I found that one. Uh, I didn't even realize that, that was a game I owned, but um, I'll probably play that and bring it at some point. They're yeah, so fun. They're really good. Inside Story is the one I really want to get to, but um, they're all good from what I've heard. That one involves uh, time travel and baby Mario and baby Luigi. I think in terms of... The, that sounds horrifying in a way that I can't yes, wait to experience. And, and, and that's that. <laughs> I'm going to tiptoe to my revelation. My kind of like uh, moment of horror in the Mario-verse was when I was playing Mario Tennis as a, I guess, 11 or 12-year-old introduction of Waluigi, but that's besides the point. Um, that's never there, besides the point, Stephen. That's always the point. There was, I think I might have mentioned this Waluigi before. Waluigi is the punch of every sentence sorry <laughs> keep going it's okay there was a tennis match between mario luigi pa- uh pa- not paper mario mario luigi baby mario and boo and so it was i think we mentioned that i think we literally have an episode titled about this it's like playing yeah. against your younger self your like ghost but it was yeah. like all these iterations of mario and then if you play if there are too many marios playing tennis the like mario because mario usually watches the match from like the high chair and right he's like, the ref yeah uh, yeah, it's it's also weird because like it'll be Mario going like game set the match powder trooper, but then there's another announcer that's just like fault, you know, like, to say like <laughs> random. Anyway, that aside, I just I thought it was really bizarre to have like all these different eras of Mario playing tennis. <laughs> Sorry, I just imagine that was the piranha plant. Like that's what a piranha plant sounds like <laughs> when it speaks. <laughs> yeah, ball boy. The Mario that God, watches- I'm hungry. <laughs> The Mario, the Mario, God, the Mario that watches the match is just blue if you have too many Marios. So I just always was like disturbed and intrigued by blue, blue Mario. Mario. I, I do yeah. think that blue Mario is like a callback to an old like NES or Super Nintendo thing. I don't remember what exactly. Oh, I would is need, it? Yeah, I would need to Google it. But that blue Mario definitely exists like in the canon of Mario stuff somewhere. <laughs> Wow, okay, I guess I was on to something. I just think our like our long-term arc throughout the entirety of the show is like really nailing down what Mario is all about. I actually have <laughs> 
I, I did an episode of Good Morning Video Games once that was all about um, Burger King, like rolled out a new like exclusive meal that was like Super Mario and Nintendo themed. And it was like Super Mario's order at Burger King. And it was just like a straight up like Whopper with fries. <laughs> it was like the most like boring thing you could order from from Burger King. And it wasn't like discounted it wasn't on sale it was just like get the super mario meal and it's like just the same thing you could have always ordered and i did a whole episode about like this even nintendo knows that mario doesn't have a personality right. and i got a lot of comments that were very angry with me about it i mean obviously because it's youtube you know so you're always gonna get those comments anyway but people have very strong feelings about mario's personality and i i still stand by he doesn't really have one he does look out for himself a lot i will say that he's a little conceited uh as we learned in super <laughs> mario odyssey but outside of that i think i think he's really got nothing going on sorry i'm still fixated like i now need to know what everyone in the mario kingdom's like burger king order is <laughs> that's like my new astrology is like what is this yoshi get the number six like what's going on here's uh, here's my guess steven is that okay, Mario yeah, is the only person in the Mushroom Kingdom who would order at Burger King. <laughs> yeah, He's the say, only well, one who's like, Burger King's my favorite fast food place, hands down. Waluigi definitely goes to Wendy's, which is the right choice. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Luigi's like, I like a Five Guys. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. I'm glad you brought this all up though. The mystery continues. Thanks. Okay, that's our that's our uh only that's segment that won't episode. be about Monster Hunter <laughs> today. So if you I have no interest in Monster Hunter, that was the episode for you. That's Thank you so much you for listening. <laughs> Enjoy your free Burger King menu on us. Not even a meal, just the menu. Let us know what you want. Download your free PDF of the Burger King menu at intothecast.online. I will say this about Burger King. When the Pokemon movie first came out, Pokemon the first movie, foreshadowing, yeah. there would be more. They had, uh, <laughs> they gave you a gold bar. A lot of confidence in the Pokemon company. Right. Yeah. Pokemon the first movie. Like, we wow. know. I didn't even we think know. about that. Anyway, sorry. The gold bar. Yeah, I, I remember They this. gave you a gold bar of Mewtwo. I think I still have it somewhere. It's like yeah. actual gold. They just gave you gold <laughs> Pokemon. Amazing. I don't think it's actual gold. I believed it was. You know yeah, me. At the time, I'm sure. They're like 24 carat Mewtwo that comes with your weird mayonnaise sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I do remember those. They, there were a lot of really good, like, Pokemon-specific toys, I think, oh, yeah. included in those kinds of meals. Yeah, I remember going to see Pokemon the first movie in theaters, and they gave you, like, that, that Mew card that, like, looked like... It had like an old like ancient Pokemon language, you know, it yeah, wasn't even yeah. like written in a language that anybody could understand, which I, I really loved. It was very I'll cool. I'll say this while we're just sort of like talking about like uh, pieces of media and the Nintendo verse that like maybe sure. opened too many doors of like what is happening in the fictional universe. I, I love this. Okay. And that's what I'm picking up. That's the through line and Burger King, you know, <laughs> sponsored us for this episode. But um. Can you imagine a Burger King sponsored Monster Hunter and they're like, mm, yummy, I can't wait to make a Whopper out of this Paros. <laughs> uh, anyway, there is a deleted scene from Pokemon, the first movie that was, I think, removed because it was too intense for the intended younger audience, which like, yeah. yes, there's a scene where it's baby Mewtwo in his mind with the other clones of Pokemon and they're like flying around the sky and learning what it is to be alive. Whoa. And then they all start dying one by one until Mewtwo <gasps> is all alone. 
Oh my God. It's, it's really, it's like, a, it's a really good scene. And I think it does a lot to show why Mewtwo acts the way he does in that movie. Yeah. Not a good, not a great movie, but like, you know, Mewtwo's whole thing is like humankind must suffer and you know, whatever. He yeah. kind of becomes like a Magneto, like I'm driven by revenge and that alone kind of villain. Hey, Mewtwo is right. Just saying. I, I totally, but especially if you watch that scene, it's like, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. I get why they cut that. I've never even heard about that. That's wild. That's really wild that was in there. Yeah, I, I'd recommend watching it if you're if you're curious. But it is it is very sad. But it does uh, it does raise some interesting questions about that whole universe that are probably best left unexplored by yeah. the games themselves. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I I wonder like I, didn't they just remake that movie or they're like working on remaking that movie? I have I w- no idea. I probably. wonder how much they'll like cut out from like the the uh capture and torture of Mewtwo bits. Yeah, I don't know. Cause I mean, cause they also changed like the whole animation style too, which is kind of yeah. interesting. Yeah. I, I I haven't cut the last Pokemon like show or movie I watched was the one with Celebi, where there's like a wild time travel twist that's like 13 Sentinels level. Yeah, it's I almost so just good. said it out loud and then I caught myself because it's so good. I know exactly what you're even, talking about. I'm not even gonna spoil it. Like watch that movie. It's like fine. It's exactly what you expect it to be. <laughs> and then there's this twist at the end. It's like what the the fuck it's yeah. so good yeah my friend showed it to me she was like okay this is fine but just wait till the twist and she was right <laughs> usually anyway. usually i am i am a staunch believer that saying there's a twist in a movie is a spoiler this movie's not good enough for it to really matter <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's just that there's one good piece in the whole movie and then it's like <laughs> that's it <laughs> but you do have to watch it to enjoy the <laughs> yeah, twist. Yeah, exactly <laughs> Anyway, uh, this is fun. Do you want to talk about the main event? Yeah, let's move on. Okay. <laughs> this, was, this was just a jambalaya. This is a little warm-up painting. Mm-hmm. Hey, Brendan. Hey, Steven. I'm very excited. This is really... It's, it's baffling we didn't open the episode with this, but one of our most anticipated games of this year has come out, and we've both played a lot of it. You probably have been playing it, too. You guessed it. It's Monster Hunter Rise. It is out on the Nintendo Switch. Um, it is a game we talked about briefly a while ago because the demo was available. And we kind of gave our like initial thoughts on the demo. Um, this is a series that means a lot to us. I think actually if you want a good like like just summary of what the series is about, we have a bonus episode about Monster Hunter World from last May that I think does a pretty good job at like explaining our history with the series and what it means to us. And you know, Worlds, which was the last game that came out prior to Rise, was really like intended to be the entry point for new fans. Um, it's a game that has kind of historically not had like an onboarding process for new players. So yeah. like World was really the first game to be like, okay, like we're gonna give you something resembling a tutorial. <laughs> And, you know, and, and teach you the basics so you don't need to rely on the kindness of others. Um, yeah. I do. And we'll talk more about that because I do still think you need someone to kind of like explain the basics to you. But the thing that makes this series great, and I think why you and I love it so much, I'm going to quote you again. You describe this series as the Optimus Dark Souls. And it could it's so perfect because this game is basically if, if you boil it down to its its parts. And I've only played World and Rise, so it may not apply to all of them. But in those two games half the experience is at some type of hub world or camp where you can talk to NPCs and take on quests, uh, forge armor and weapons, you know, manage your inventory, just sort of hang out, you know, kind of almost like 
sort of almost like the division between like the monastery and battles and fire emblem <laughs> i thought you were gonna say sort of like tom clancy's the division and i was like oh oh can't wait to hear that's you gonna know connect. me yeah i bring up tom clancy all the time um <laughs> anyway i thought you were gonna make fun of me for bringing up fire emblem for the you know whatever time no it makes it makes sense in this case it does it does because i think you know one one part of the game is like planning in this really nice hub world and the other part is going out in the hunt and the hunt also i think shares a lot of dna with games like shadow of the colossus or even breath of the wild in some ways where you have this kind of open organic living and breathing environment where there are other monsters and creatures roaming around that aren't necessarily your target and you may run into them they may just show up and start attacking who your target is that was something that was really exciting in world where like you might be fighting like whatever beginner raptor they have you attack and this like dragon bursts out of the <laughs> ground and like picks it up in its mouth and you're like oh my god okay yeah. like that was a lot for me to take on and that was like the prey of the world <laughs> right that, yeah that, um, that i think was like a big showcase of of uh, monster hunter world specifically being like geared towards that generation of consoles and having so much more power to work with yeah was like they really went hard on like there is a circle of life in these places and the bigger monsters will fight the smaller monsters constantly yeah which is definitely less of a thing in this game but we can talk about it more yeah totally but but just to sort of describe like the the series like you know when you're on these hunts you choose one of of many different weapons that I, w- I would compare to almost like choosing a character in a fighting game every weapon plays extremely differently and uniquely and usually longtime players will like have chosen one or two weapons they just like have committed to so that yeah. way they just like can get right into it they know how to play you know there might be one or two new things but like if you know one weapon you can kind of play any game with that weapon and like hold your own which is really cool yes so where it becomes kind of like uh, you know there's, there's a steep learning curve just with like figuring out what weapon you like and how to use it and you know the bosses tend to be pretty difficult you have to really kind of study them in a way you study a dark souls boss where like you learn their attacks you learn how to maneuver around the environment like actually think like a hunter But what's really nice is that the game is like constantly cheering you on both mechanically and narratively. When you're back at the camp, everyone's like, hey, Hunter, good job. And like, there's really no story happening. It's just like you got to go hunt big monsters. Yeah, I think it works to the game's (laughs) favor, which actually more on that later. But um, basically, like there's not like a lot of high stakes to losing and it's so it's such a nice world to be in that like going there especially with a group of friends like even if you try to hunt one monster all night and you don't win it's still like just a rewarding experience because you're at least getting something you're either getting experience as a player understanding your weapon better um, and even if you don't complete the hunt you'll probably will have found other stuff in the environment that you yes, can use exactly. to craft new items so there's always a sense of progression and again I think I have more to say about progression with Rise in particular but that's kind of why we love the series it's like a really warm and encouraging game that does have a steep level of difficulty but it's very like it's very fun to be part of i think that while we you and i love the dark souls games and and you could say something similar about them where it's like you kind of bang your head against the wall until you like 
learn the language of the game and progress. You do have to really rewire your brain or be in a particular mood to enjoy those games, I think. I totally agree, yeah. I have to be like, okay, this is what I'm doing tonight. Here's the experience I'm in for. Monster Hunter, I don't think requires that as much because it's just like so chill, you know? Like yes. <laughs> almost almost like an oxymoron because it's like all about hunting these dinosaurs and monsters, but it's like a really chill experience in a way that I think Breath of the Wild also is where you yeah. have that like nice high of I'm just like hanging out in a town and then oh shit there's like a giant dragon in the sand that just popped up and is attacking me right um, yeah I, I, I think I said this on Twitter the other day but I a term that's going around more frequently uh, that I've seen is like cozy games you know the people are using to describe things like Stardew Valley and, and Animal Crossing and Spirit Fair and whatever and I, I think that Monster Hunter is the most like paradoxically cozy video game yeah. ever <laughs> it is so wild like just how good it feels in your heart and your soul to just hang out in in these places and that is just punctuated by like fighting a big monster you know like to yes. me when i think of monster hunter it's it's not really the experience of going and hunting things it's really just like hanging out in the town playing online with my friends and just like chilling out um, yeah and i love that about it and I, and I love that capcom is so aware that like that's what's good about it too you know yeah and i, I think never have they gotten it more right than in rise also um, yes because I, I remember in our conversations about world we talked about you know the hub areas and world and like it feels very alive in world you know the it first does. place that you start is this like big kind of like shipping dock that's very vertical, which I really enjoy. And there's a lot of people like milling around and doing things. And, and there are a lot more, I, I would say, like NPCs that you could talk to that have like different reasons for existing. And in Rise, they've kind of cut that down a lot. Like they've cut down the amount of people that you can talk to in, in uh, the hub area. But every person kind of has like a purpose for existing and every person that you talk to has their own little like arc even if they're not like a person who gives quests or a merchant or something like that even the people who just like hang out next to a stall that does nothing they have had character arcs in ways that i very much wasn't expecting yeah um, and i i love that about this game they've me too they have like quadrupled down on on making sure that the place that you hang out at is a place that you're like emotionally invested in absolutely absolutely I, it is maybe like the greatest trick that this game is pulling to me um, yeah, yeah yeah i think with, with worlds the framing device of the plot which again plot and heavy quotes but like yeah. there was basically like okay there's a new world to explore and new monsters to hunt like who's ready uh and yeah, yeah. there's this kind of like a uh, group of hunters that are like making camp in this unexplored terrain so the hub world was very much like you're in this giant rib cage of a of a slain monster mm -hmm. and there are like cable cars going up and down and everyone's like oh, yeah i love steak good job out there i mean you know it, it's very much like everyone there is like pumped to be a hunter and that's like why they're there yeah um the best character of course is the miascular chef which worth noting there are palicos in this world which are like cat moogles basically like they're cats but they have a lot more agency and personality right uh and and are bipedal in in some instances and that just kind of shows you how like charming and fun the world is like the fact that it's not really taking itself too seriously is like such a saving grace even yeah. though everyone's like yeah i love i love steak and hunting it really is that like you talk to anyone in the world they're like hell yeah ribs um <laughs> You know, and, and, and the thing about World, I mean, again, we loved it and that was my intro to the series. Um, even though there wasn't really a story, it did kind of get in its own way sometimes with the cutscenes. Like, so whenever you went on a mission, it was fine in single player when you're going for the first time. Because, like, you know, they're introducing these monsters and you see your hunter, like, maneuver around them and then the fight begins. Mm -hmm. But what was kind of frustrating is that, like, I, I my friend uh, just recently picked up World and I, like, signed back in to, like, kind of show him the ropes. And, like, we constantly 
mostly got interrupted by those cutscenes when I was like with him. Right. And there are a lot of and, and in most cases in that game, too, if you if somebody is in a cutscene, the other person, you know, or like if there's two people in your case and one person has seen a cutscene, the other person hasn't. That means that you can't join them until they're done watching the cutscene and the cutscenes are really long. So yeah. it like breaks up the the flow of multiplayer in ways that like really bummed me out, at least when I was playing that game with other people. Yeah. Um, was like, OK, you have four people. You're ready to go. You did your like 45 minutes of preparation for yeah. this hunt. And then you have to sit there for another 10 minutes while somebody watches a cutscene for the first time, you know, that they can't skip and like probably shouldn't skip either. Whereas I think Rise does a really brilliant thing where basically there are two. Uh, I, I think they're twins. They're these sisters mm-hmm. who one gives quests that are just for multiplayer. Uh, more on that in a bit because I, <laughs> I, I messed up. Uh, so there's a hub that's like just for multiplayer. And um, it's actually really well done. If you were nervous about like Nintendo Switch Online's functionality, like ruining this game, it really does not. Like the, the ability to join a match is like pretty seamless. It will take a few moments. We had to figure out like exactly how to join. Like it's yeah. really easy just to join a random hunt that's happening like in the moment. It's a little bit trickier to figure out how to join one that your friend who you're with just posted. Yeah. Uh, but you eventually get it and it, and it works pretty, pretty well. Yeah. I, I think the thing that's worth mentioning about this game, and I don't know if this is like confirmed, confirmed, but there have been so many rumors about it that I think it's like mostly confirmed. But Nintendo is apparently rebuilding their like Nintendo online infrastructure and all their servers. And this is the first game using that. Um, that's why they had so many demos leading up to the release of this game was to like stress test their servers and see how it was handling it. But it works really well. And the fact that like you and I don't have to enter friend codes to hang out is like really nice, you know, <laughs> like in game friend yeah. codes and whatever. Um, I mean, uh, I think it was AJ who was in. Uh, we did a Twitch stream of this game the other day uh, when it came out. And and I think it was AJ in chat who was like, just the fact that Steven joined my game and I didn't get like a 45 second notification that was like, Steven has joined your village. And then I have to watch a cutscene <laughs> where you're like showing up like an Animal Crossing is like a dream. You know, like yeah. I didn't even realize that you were like standing right next to me also hanging out at the merchant that I was at, which is like a dream for a Nintendo device, I think. Yeah. So so uh, going back to the two hubs, there's one hub that's just for multiplayer, and then there's another. Yep. The the other uh, girl gives quests for uh, single player that are like kind of getting acquainted with the village. They start you off like pretty basically, and you, you're just sort of doing like stuff that kind of gives you a familiar sense of the world, both like in the village and in the first area. But what's really nice too is there are optional sub quests you can check off that are like gather five herbs or like go mining and it the the game is like even more constantly rewarding you for playing it in a way that i think really helps and i think makes this one maybe even a better entry point than worlds which you know is is something we'll talk about i think more but all that is really well done and i think going back to just like you're you have like an emotional investment in this place first of all we haven't said this yet this game is is stunning it's really beautiful yeah Uh, it it is like easily one of the best looking games on the switch it looks like you're playing world half the time you know i mean there's some textures that are probably like lower quality but even still there's like such good art direction that like you can tell that there's like it almost reminds me of what ff12 did on the ps2 where there's like color used in a lot of the patches so like even if it's not like actually 
actual 3D rendered lighting, it looks like there is because of the colors they're being used. Mm -hmm. And they really paid attention to how like the characters look and how the monsters look and they look incredible and it plays really well. Yeah, Um, this is the first game using Capcom's new engine, which is their RE engine. Uh, And this is the first game that they uh, or sorry, this is the first Capcom game using the RE engine on the Switch, because when they announced the development of this engine, they said it's going to work on the Nintendo Switch. and Everybody's like, "Okay, sure. Because, you know, it's like built for like 4K, you know, like Xbox (laughs) series and PS5 devices. And I was like, "Okay, how's that going to work on the Switch? The answer is incredibly. um, Yeah, because this game even running at I think it's 720p in docked mode, which is like not a great resolution, but still looks like ridiculous on a TV. Like I was playing it on my 4K TV in 720p in docked mode and just thinking like this is maybe the best looking game on the Switch, as you were saying. It's shocking. And you can see like where I mean, I'm not going to go like full digital foundry on this podcast ever, but like you can see where the trade offs are. You know, there there are a lot of instances of like um, I think it's called checkerboarding where they're like phasing some assets in and out and some textures in and out. And you can like see that happening occasionally, but it never, ever distracts. Like that's me looking for it. It never distracts from the gameplay. It never gets in the way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in uh, similar thing to like if there are mo- like if there are pterodactyls way in the distance, they'll be like really framey. But that also happened in World, and like yeah, exactly. You know, it's never framey when you're in the midst of combat. Which again, you can tell the team was like, here are the moments we have to make perfect. Yeah, and we can have trade offs elsewhere. The game also like loads instantly, which it's, is it's, it's wild. amazing <laughs> when you're when you're going from I I think so. Th- there was this thing, and this is this is gonna sound like a tangent, but it's not. I promise. But there was a thing way back in the day when Instagram first launched where like people were shocked at how quickly the filters would apply to your photos on your iPhone because most other apps that like had filters like this on your iPhone it would take like I don't know 30 to 45 seconds to like even a whole minute to like apply a filter to your photo like really early on I know probably most people don't even remember that but like that's how long it took and it was amazing I think it it, uh when Instagram came out is like not only is it adding this filter to your photo instantaneously but it also uploads to Instagram like immediately and it was like really confusing like nobody really knew how it was happening and the answer was that you would apply the filter to your photo and then as you were like filling out the data you know you were like going in and like filling out the description and like tagging people and all that stuff you know deciding if you were going to post it to Twitter and whatever because you were still allowed to do that back then it was secretly uploading the photo already to Instagram in the background while you were already doing that so by the time you were Mm. done entering the description all that stuff and you hit send it was immediately on Instagram and like that was like a shocking development essentially was that it was secretly doing stuff in the background and i think this is my theory is that that's what's happening in monster hunter rise is that when you uh accept a quest it's secretly loading that area and that quest in the background And then while you're doing all your prep work, you're going and like eating, which we have to talk about when you're going yes. and like eating and then like getting all your items and stuff like that. It's like secretly loading everything in the background. So as soon as you hit depart, it's like maybe five to ten seconds yeah, until ridiculous. you're in the game, which is like Series S shit, you know, like yeah. on the yes, Nintendo it Switch. It feels like I'm playing a Series S game many times. Yeah. And and just real quick, going back to the setting, I mean, like the hub world here is just so like heartbreakingly beautiful. There, yeah. I, I texted you where I went to the one part of the village where it's like all about the buddies which are your cat and dog which mm-hmm. I can't believe we haven't brought up yet but there's a lot to talk about <laughs> yeah buckle up dear listener the music that played I found that part of the village so beautiful that I actually just started crying as if I was like just I couldn't bear witness to this place <laughs> yeah um, I get it but 
going, you know, and, and world world was also so charming. I, I don't want to like pit them against each other too much, but I just find that like the key difference, I mentioned how in world, everyone was like hunters who were in this new world who are there to hunt in this village. There are people who just live there and do other things, which I think is right. like why I think I care about it more. Yeah. Like, you talk to the to the um, girl who gives you quests, and like I have never, other than the Miascular Chef, I've never wanted to have more dialogue with any character in Monster Hunter. But for <laughs> right. some reason in this game, I do. Like there's a chit chat option, and like she'll just be like, "Oh yeah, like my sister's the serious one who gives that multiplayer quest." But like I just like hanging out outside and trying not to get sauce on all the quests, and like just <laughs> hearing her say, "I try not to get sauce on the quest," was like all I needed to like know her vibe and like yeah. her, you know, like it, it just immerse me in the world in a way that was like hard to place but I think like you know it's just so charming and I think you want to the, the plot is like there's something called a rampage happening and the head of the village who yes has like sharp cat teeth and laughs like ha, 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 who yeah. I love yeah of course he has to yeah yeah he he basically like knights you a hunter and you have to like just kind of check in on these monsters who are like pose a threat to the village so I feel much less like th- there's always this like undercurrent of world where it's like am i the bad guy like other than the dragon who is like a walking mountain who like looks like they're from hell every (laughs) other monster i kind of felt bad for going after but here i feel like a little bit more i mean i'm not really thinking about it too much but i feel more justified in like kind of like uh playing a role in the natural world like okay we got to protect this village like within reason you know yeah Totally. Um, and, and I think um, it, even just like going further down this rabbit hole of like this game is is built from the ground up to be cozier than all of the other ones. Even have you done the rampage by any chance? I haven't. No. OK, I won't say I won't say too much about the rampage because I don't want to like spoil the experience for you. Um, it's it plays very differently than you and I expected, though, because you and I talked about it a little bit. But anyway, when you're done with with the rampage, um, like the guy who runs the buddy area, uh, Iori, and um, one of the uh, one of the people who runs like one of the merchant stalls is like there with you uh, and they're like there and like ready to attack and fight and stuff and the and the elder from the village shows up and is like why don't you guys focus on like the things that you do because like you're not hunters and that's okay like you're doing important things for the village that aren't going out and like putting your lives on the line and stuff like we need you back at the village doing other stuff and it was just this really like nice kind of heartwarming moment that I wasn't really anticipating from any of the cutscenes because I again the story in this game is like kind of you know so negligible that like you, you could I, I I would uh, I would give you a pass for not even like paying attention yeah, to it. Totally. But even in those moments, it's like, oh, yeah, you're you're like really kind of trying to uh, elicit this specific kind of feeling when I'm hanging out in the village. And it is nice that Yori just runs the buddy area and is like in charge of hiring the palicos and, and the dogs and stuff. Um, that's really wonderful. And even when you go talk to uh, as you were mentioning, there's a chit chat button on most of the merchants. Even when you go talk to the guy who like forges weapons for people, a lot of his dialogue is like, yeah, just take your time. Just like, you know, browse around. It's fine to take as long as you want. Uh, He even has this one like kind of idle banter thing that happens while you're like looking around the menus where he's like, some hunters take hours. The fact that you are going through this any quicker than that is amazing to me, Uh, which I really love. It's like they're just really trying to embed you in this place and and allow you to take your time to do things. And it's created an environment where like I texted you this uh, the day that the game came out 
out where like I had played for like five or six hours and I had done like a quest because I was just spending all of my time talking to everybody and just learning as much as I could about the world. Yeah. And that is amazing. That, yes. that is something that I've never experienced in these games because uh, we haven't even talked about like you could go and listen to our other episodes about other Monster Hunter games to get most of this. But like we haven't talked about our experience with Monster Hunter as a franchise. And like I've been playing these games for a really, really long time. And they have mostly gotten better with every iteration uh, because they they tend to not change a whole lot, except in ways that are like really notable from from each one. And and this one is like so far and away the best one to me so quickly. Um, And and I think a lot of that has to do with the environment. I think a lot of that has to do with like the place that they've decided to set the game. And and I think a lot of that has to do with some of the more mechanical changes that we can get into later. Yeah. But yeah, I, I mean, I, the blacksmith says something, I think he says haste makes waste, which goes into what mm-hmm. he was saying. And even um the, the quest givers, they'll be like, don't forget to eat, you know, and it just, it really Love drills that. that point. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's so, it's such a nice place to be. It actually reminds me a lot of how I felt playing FF 14, where so much of yeah. my enjoyment in that game was just the setting itself and like being a part of a place and being recognized for my, what my role in that place was. Even if the story was like whatever, right. I felt really endeared to Gridania and, you know, a very similar vibe even in just sort of like the kind of MMO vibe of Monster Hunter where it's like you and a group of friends play, you want to get better gear. But it doesn't feel like I'm just chasing numbers. It feels like I'm chasing like what I want the experience to be. Yeah. Uh, which is awesome. So uh, I, I actually wanted to get a lot of feedback from the Discord because a lot of people are playing this game, new and old players. And I wanted to hear from people who are playing the series for the first time with Rise and like seeing how that felt for them. Because yeah. you, you're a longtime fan. I got in via world and immediately I felt like rise was the better entry point, but I'm also like, did I need worlds to feel this way? Yeah. So I, I, it basically seems like they're both pretty good places to start. The thing is about this series is that with world and with rise, both games feature like a very supportive setting. The game will give you a lot of tutorials of like how things work. And what's great is that you can look up those tutorials anytime if you need to recheck them, which you will because they throw way too much at you. It's this kind of like, again, similar to FF 14, they give you like a million tutorial boxes that like you cannot reasonably parse until you have played the game a bit. It reminds me a lot of Persona 5 and Persona 5 Royal in, yeah. in that way where it's like it's the first time they've really like put a lot of effort into teaching you how to play a Persona game but they've like really overdone it to the point where it actually becomes so daunting that none of that information really sets in uh, which yeah. is unfortunate and, and I feel very similarly World and Rise both tutorialize in different ways and I think both of them aren't really super helpful they they definitely do like get the job done to a certain extent like you can yeah. start playing the game and like know what you're doing but unfortunately and and it's always been the case with these games and it's kind of weirdly another connection to Dark Souls is like you kind of do need to go on YouTube and watch a video that will like teach you how to play this game because there's some really basic shit in Rise that they don't teach you like even how to use your item bar is like (laughs) I think I think one of the most confusing mechanics in in the entirety of the Monster Hunter franchise you know to like wrap your head around when you're first learning how to play the game like it eventually becomes second nature but right when you're starting out it's like really hard to understand like okay I have to hold down the L button and then I use the Y and A button like a d-pad to scroll through my thing and then i let go of l and then i press y to drink my potion like that's a wild collection of buttons you have to press they do not teach you that at all in rise which is like 
a staggering omission to not tell you like how to use the items you brought with you. Yeah, I think what I was trying to say, I, you and I were talking about this before we started recording, and I feel like Rise and World, if you start with a simple weapon, which I would recommend, like, use yes. the longsword, right? I do use the longsword. Use something like the longsword, like the longsword or the dual blades, kind of a simple melee weapon. Yeah. Use that just to start with. Even if you don't like it, just like kind of learn the basics with that. Because I think that the game itself, like the monsters you were fighting in the beginning are not especially difficult. And like you will probably do okay. The difficult part is just learning how to like make sense of the menus. Yeah. And that's where I think you just need to either watch a YouTube video or just to have someone be like, okay, here's what you need to worry about. And, and you know, once you have like a working knowledge, which doesn't take a while, but it does take a good like 10 minutes of your time at least just to like have the mental blueprint for what it is. Yeah. Then all of a sudden you can like build on top of that. It's really like, I would compare it to learning how to play guitar where it's like when you pick up a, a guitar, your fingers aren't calloused yet. So you can't get mm-hmm. the strings to reach out. And it's going to be kind of weird to learn like the three or four chords, the open chords. But once you know that, you can suddenly play every song from the 90s. You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, oh, shit, I can play every Nirvana song. I, I knew one power chord and now I can do all this. But it's like it really is kind of fundamental knowledge. And I think that the game does a pretty good job in the solo quests and rise like yeah. kind of starting you off slow where it's like your first quest can just be like, go gather mushrooms or, yeah. you know, like whatever. Um, That's and- one of the brilliant things about this game or this franchise over the entirety of it, even going back to like the very first like PlayStation two entry is like the first quests that you're given are generally like go collect a bunch of mushrooms, go collect a bunch of herbs uh, and maybe kill like three or four small raptors and then come back. And like, those are, those are your opening quests. Each of those are separate quests. And honestly doing those things is like the under, that's the beginning of understanding what the loop of the gameplay mechanic actually is, yeah. you know, which I think so, is really great. <laughs> and it always ends with like, okay, now fight a bigger version of the small things that you fought right. before. And then you move on to like actual monster hunting, which I think is, is a really nice way of doing it. I think you're about to bring up that you had a completely different avenue into this yeah, game. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited to share, but um, uh, what's also cool in terms of the monsters being introduced, they have like these kind of grainy uh, old films of oh like God, introducing yeah. the monster, and they're so fun. They're like lurking in the dead of night is the chicken that carries a pot, you know, yeah. or whatever. Like the big, there, there's an early monster that's like kind of a bird-like raptor that carries a rock around, who I'm, I'm obsessed with. But anyway, what I did was I was so smitten by the building in which you eat donga, which we'll talk about in a second. There's so many pins that we have to get to later here, <laughs> but uh, the, like I said earlier, there are two girls that give quests out, and I talked to the one who gave the multiplayer quests you'll see in the top right it says like hub progress and village progress hub is multiplayer quests village is single player which i think is actually a great way to divide it up yeah but anyway because then you don't run into the issues with world where you have to like wait for story beats to pass to be able to play together absolutely you can just do it i i am interested i we have we didn't even try this i'm wondering if you can do the village quest multiplayer also like if it's because i know the hub quest specifically like scale to the amount of people who are in your lobby i'm wondering if you can still do the village stuff multiplayer we should try that and we should try it yeah but the way i've been describing to people is exactly the way you were saying is like there's village quest single player hub quest multiplayer i went to the hub first and my first hunt i took on so like there's star ratings of difficulties so like the first few monsters you're fighting are like one or two star yeah and once you do enough one star quests they unlock 
the two star quests, which is really cool. Right. Um, and what's neat is that you don't need to do all of them to progress. So like if you're a little bit daunted by like the hunts in general, you could do like a lot of the like gatherer quests and still progress to the next star rating and then maybe save those for later. Similar mm-hmm. thing where it's like if I progress to three star, but I still haven't done one or two hunts, you and I can do those together at some point. Yeah. You know, stuff like that, which I think is a really great decision. I, <laughs> I, you know, level zero went to the hub and took on the hunt that is supposed to be the first level three monster and i just went completely by myself and it was so hard it, it, it I, I beat it somehow and they give you 50 minutes and it took that long i was playing the scaled up multiplayer version of the first three star hunt with like nothing <laughs> but then i was able to like make like a really cool act so i'm just been flying through the rest of the stuff but that's great yeah i will say like i, I we might have mentioned this already but just the rate of progression in this game is so great it's definitely better than world was and world was still pretty good but like this game you like see more and do more faster in a way that doesn't feel like falsely streamlined or anything yeah that's the thing i think i really want to highlight here is like i loved world i mean even going back to yeah, our very we did first a bonus about it yeah yeah we, we did a bonus episode about it our very first game of the year episode um for yeah. 2018 you and i had because we started the show halfway into the year we, we never had talked about monster hunter world and we both surprised each other by having it on our top 10 lists uh, not realizing the other person had played it at all. I loved Monster Hunter World. I Me thought too. it was like easily the best game in the franchise of all of them that I had played and and was my favorite one to play with other people. It was the easiest one to play with other people, which I think was a really wonderful highlight was like they focused on making sure that the multiplayer made more sense, even though we have our gripes about the way the cutscenes were handled. This game is better than World to me in almost every single way. And, and I think I just want to highlight how much I loved World to yes. make that hit even harder because Rise is like such a staggering leap above pretty much every other Monster Hunter game in terms of its accessibility, in terms of the way you play online with people, and in terms of like the rate of progression and pretty much everything about it, even down to an art direction standpoint. Even though some of the stuff in World was like really fun because they were taking a lot of weird chances with a lot of the locales. Oh, yeah. This one feels so seamless. It feels like a really believable world. I, I, I just I just think it's it's an incredible achievement for this team to have made a game that is like this wonderful. And I'm glad to hear that it's not a Switch exclusive, um, even though it's going to take a year to show up on PC, which is kind of a bummer. So like they built it for Switch and PC, but I think Switch has it exclusively for a whole calendar year. Uh, so it won't be until this time next year that PC people get to play it. But uh, you and I talked a little bit, I think, on stream about like, which one do you recommend to people to play first? And it's like, I, I think the answer is pretty easy, where if you have a Nintendo Switch, it's probably Rise. Um, if you don't have a Switch, it's World. What's nice is that World is available on Game Pass on Xbox yes. and also is like cheap enough, I think, on other platforms that you could pick it up pretty cheap um, and, and play it with other people. But like wherever you can play with the most people is probably the place to get it first. I also think like the the differences between the two i mean you and i both like instantly liked rise more in terms of the setting and the art direction yeah but like it's a subjective enough difference that like you could also like world more there's a world in which you someone might prefer a world um so it's definitely worth checking out one or the other uh, depending on what system you have but yeah i find i find rise so charming and i'm so much more invested in the setting which i was already invested in world again but it's just even more so this time yeah do you want to take a quick break and then maybe the next section we can talk about specifically what's new to this game for maybe people who have played other ones we could talk about the new mechanics and stuff i would love to do that yeah 
And I think cool. even if you haven't played the other ones, um, it's worth mentioning some of that stuff because it, it, it kind of just goes to highlight why I think this one should be more of an entry point to people anyway. Yeah, so. but but I'll say like just to kind of wrap up this session like uh, or the section of the episode, um, if you want to check out the series, this is another great place to start. It's a happy problem that we now have two good entry points. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of people playing right now, which is great. So like it will probably be even easier to find someone who's like willing to kind of show you around. Absolutely. I do. I do also want to mention before we move on to like the more nitty gritty stuff as well and, and talking about this as an entry point is like I, I mentioned you should probably still watch a YouTube video to like get into it just to like teach you some of the stuff that the tutorial won't. Patrick Gill over at Polygon did an extremely good video. Um, it's I, just about 15 minutes long and like teaches you pretty much everything. And it's like dense, but but uh, it's put together in a way that I think is like really accessible. Yeah, so it's awesome. I would highly recommend checking that out. I think it's called like a Monster Hunter Rise tutorial for absolute babies or something. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I even watched it and learned some stuff that I had like forgotten and didn't know. So I, I highly recommend checking it out. Maybe I'll, I'll link to it actually in the show notes because uh, it's worth it's worth mentioning. Um, that's a great video. Um, and also just like we, we don't mention it generally like this early on in the show but like join the discord because we have a monster hunter channel in there now Um, and there's a lot of people who are like joining and playing this game for the first time so that's probably also a good place to like get resources on how to play and what to do totally i want to say two more things as well one like just in turn to make this really stand out in case it wasn't already abundantly clear this is like easily gonna be on our goatee list just like you know this is so easily one of the best games of the year already which i know i know it's still early but like this is a game that we were both excited for and i think has surpassed even our high expectations for real yes Um, (laughs) and two i think that while this series is daunting i do think that there's way more people that would enjoy it than maybe would think they would it kind of has that breath of the wild thing where i think like a lot of people that was like their first game they played that like got them back into games Mm -hmm. and that is weirdly like a very hard game like it's not like yeah if i if i were to be asked like what are games you would recommend for someone who like hasn't played in a while and this is not even like i really want to destroy the barrier of like being good or bad at games i think that sucks and it's very gatekeepy yeah i agree i also recognize that there's stuff that's like going to be muscle memory for some people that is like a hurdle for others who haven't been playing games as long absolutely yeah and that that's uh, one of the reasons i wanted to highlight the item bar specifically which yes. is like one of the strangest things you have to learn <laughs> about this game plus there's like a billion ui elements on screen at all times and like how many of them are important the answer is all of them but you just like learn them over time you just kind of become used to them it's it's really like a strangely daunting experience Experience, but it's not insurmountable, you know, like, yes, yes. I, I, I just I guess to truncate my entire history with the game real quick or with the franchise real quick is like I played the first one on the PS2 and bounced off of it so hard that I thought I would never play one again uh, and eventually moved my way up, you know, tried a couple of other ones, but ended up playing Monster Hunter 3 Ultimate for the Wii U completely alone, completely by myself. And that was the first time where I was like, you know what? I want to get into Monster Hunter. I like the Dark Souls games enough at that point that I was like and I had heard the comparison in between them that I was like let me check this out because I think this is a thing I would like I like Dark Souls enough and that was when I was like I'm gonna watch YouTube videos and learn how to play this game and I watched a YouTube video that was kind of like the one that Patrick Gill just put out that was like this is how to 
this is what the gameplay loop is. This is how you should start. And that was extremely helpful. And then watched videos on every single weapon so I could like figure out which ones I wanted to try out. And honestly, going through that experience was like great and rewarding and fun, but like also not a thing that I would recommend to most people. Rise is so much easier to get into that it's really like go watch that one YouTube video and then just go through the tutorial that's in the game and you'll probably know what you're doing. I was going to say too, in terms of just like, I, I want to encourage people who maybe think this might not be for them to like yeah. watch a video and like get a taste of what the setting is like because I, I found this game so like it's like a big hug like i i yeah. Me too. You know, not yeah. to get too into it, but I, I've had like a, a very weird spiral of anxiety this week. And this game has like literally helped me like calm down yeah. and like enjoy myself again. And I would love for other people to have that experience. So again, it's not for everyone, but I do think it's it's surprisingly for way more people than like the name of it and the like intimidation <laughs> factor yeah. might suggest. So definitely like take a peek and see if it's for you. And if you need a little bit of a push to get there, there are many people who are like, have devoted themselves to help you out, which is awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there are people whose entire careers on the internet is like teaching people how to play Monster Hunter. So that's wonderful. It's it's, it's a, it's a believe it or not, a nice community. You can uh, customize your cat and dog like way into detail, which we'll talk about after the break. Uh, <laughs> cool. We will be back with uh, more like new stuff in Rise and uh, we'll see you there. Goodbye. Bye. Steven Hilger, hey, my co-host uh, on Into the Aether, a low-key video game podcast. We're back in the episode uh, okay. talking about Monster Hunter Rise, a incredible new video game. I just want to underscore, it's so good, man. <laughs> <laughs> I like... In every free moment I'm playing it, and it's only yeah. been a couple days, but I've already played it like more than I've played most video games that came out this year. For the last three months, I think we've been playing like a lot of different things. And obviously we've we've played some games to completion like Dragon Quest and Mother 3, which I think that episode will either come out before or after this, so keep an eye on that. Yeah. It's nice to find like the new thing that's exciting, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, as much as, again, we're not beholden to the release schedule, it's nice to be like, oh shit, Here's the new game that like isn't just like, oh, I'll check it out. It's something we're yeah. actually excited for. It, is it felt like my birthday when I woke yes. up and, and was able to turn Monster Hunter Rise on, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Airy season, baby. Yeah. But anyway, we're going to talk a bit about what's new in the game. If you're if you're curious either about what is new materially or how it plays into the game. Um, so I think the biggest thing they've added is the wire bug. I was very curious what the biggest thing because I yeah. I have been so back and forth on like what I think the biggest like most interesting improvement on this game is. Um, and I, I, I wire bug is definitely in contention. Yeah. I think the wire bug is probably the biggest just because I think it like it affects the most areas of the game. Mm -hmm. So basically you have this thing called the wire bug where you hold ZL and you can either hit A or X, which just gives you hearing those. That's the other thing, too, about or ZR or ZR. <laughs> uh, I never remember what the switch controls are like ever. I don't know what it is. I'd never remember where A or X or Y are. Yeah, like, me either. Even my new Series S controller, I've like gotten the gist of. There's something just I can I, like my brain refuses to remember the switch button controls. Yeah, because because uh, the sear. Okay, here's the deal. <laughs> I'm I'm looking at them both next to each other. The, yeah. the Xbox controller and the Switch Pro controller. They have both A, B, X, and Y in opposite places, uh, uh, which is just awful. Yeah, no deal. And then Z. And for some reason, I blame Nintendo for doing that, even though it's been the same since the Super Nintendo. <laughs> yeah, why not? Xbox is the one that fucked up at some point when the, when the <laughs> first Xbox came out. 
Anyway, the wire bug is this thing you get that lets you. It's kind of like a a zip line of sorts. It, yeah, it, it's really cool. You basically can like throw it up in the air or ahead of you to like zip around the environment faster. So, and you can even do that in the village too, which is fun because there are secrets. You can find secrets. You sure can. But in the environment, it's like a nice way to like get up a cliff or whatever. And actually where I think there's like a really open like skill ceiling is how to use it in combat. So like there are a lot of weapons that are slower or uh, ranged weapons that I think are immediately aided by the wire bug. So yeah, like man. zipping around with the bow, uh, I use the switch axe currently, which is like a slower weapon. So like the ability to like kind of dash around faster is really cool. On top of that, you also have like limit bricks that are wire bug moves that as you play the game with a weapon, you can like unlock different wire bug moves. And you'll see like on the bottom of the screen, there's like, I think you start with two. So like you'll use either, you know, a, a wire bug dash in a direction and it will use up one and then it will slowly replenish. So there's like a cool down with it. And then the moves also use one. So with the switch axe, the move I have is like, I do like three kind of spinning slashes in like a forward leap, but I'm also invulnerable during those attacks. So like, oh, cool. it's a really cool way to like end a combo or if like the enemy is charging at me or something, I can do that to make sure I don't take any damage. That's awesome. That's really great. And every weapon has not only a unique one, but they have different ones you can unlock. And I think what the game actually does very well is like they keep some of that later. Like you, you I think you got to get yes. to the three star hunt before they give you the option to like mess around with that. I was about to say, as soon as you hit village level three or whatever it is, uh, they they throw a couple more mechanics at you, which I think yeah. is really wonderful. And one of them is the one that you're referring to, which is called switch skills, which you uh, unlock different wire bug moves, which is cool. But you also unlock like different just like standard moves for your weapons that oh, you can cool. switch around which is great uh, I've, I've unlocked like the second tier of switch skills so I had a move for the longsword I've been using the longsword for like most of my time playing Monster Hunter um, and I loved that this game just started you with one it was like you yeah. should start with the longsword I was like yeah you should um, <laughs> but anyway uh, I uh Really love uh, the switch skill that I just unlocked, which is uh, generally when you start with the longsword uh, and you unsheath your weapon, you'll like kind of swing it out of the sheath and you do this one like big forward attack downwards and you can launch directly into a combo which is nice but that also means like if you're back in the distance and you're not even trying to hit the monster but you want to unsheath your weapon you have to like go through this whole long drawn out attack which just feels like really rough um the first switch skill that i or the the second switch skill that i unlocked is the ability to change that unsheathing attack so now it does two attacks it like comes out and forward and then up again which like doesn't fix my problem of like being in the distance and being completely immobile because i'm in this long animation but at least if I'm attacking, it'll hit twice. It's like kind of yeah, how I yeah. feel about it. And that's just like one of many switch skills that they have. I think from what I understand, there are three tiers of switch skills that you get. One of them is for wire bug. So you have three different wire bug attacks you can switch between. One of them is like that second tier that I was talking about. I don't know if that's an unsheathing thing for everybody. Maybe just longsword. Uh, and then a third one. So there's technically nine different switch skills that you can uh, switch awesome. between, which is sick um, just to add on to other weapons. And this is like... 
a kind of shifted version of a thing that existed in other Monster Hunter games. It has never been this easy, though, to like yeah. decide between these different moves that you're stacking on. Um, and as you were just saying, I think it's brilliant that they wait a while to unlock for you because yeah. like you have a lot of time fighting like larger, more difficult monsters with weird status effects and things like that. And a lot of that is just you like getting used to and learning the ins and outs of whatever weapon it is that you chose or like deciding on your weapon if you haven't yet. Uh, so by the time you hit that level three stuff, it's like you've probably landed on a weapon and maybe you're even like hankering to get some more stuff uh, or like learn some more ins and outs about it, which I think is really cool. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think that's that's why I consider it the biggest because it affects so many different things. It affects combat, traversal, all that. The other the other we were talking about the wire bug. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. it affects like the landscape in a yeah, really big exactly. way because Monster Hunter World was already a very vertical game, which I think was cool. You and I talked a lot yeah, about totally. that on the stream, how like they got rid of uh, fall damage in World specifically because like so much of that game is just about like climbing a big fucking tree and then jumping from the top and plunging to the bottom to chase a dragon or whatever. Yeah, it has a lot of uncharted energy with like sliding down things. And, yes. you know, yeah, yeah. This game, because they give you the wire bug, what that actually really meant in terms of like the world design is that when you go out there, there's just like a lot of like secret shit hidden up above you mm-hmm. but you can also use that to kind of traverse in in a more streamlined way so uh we'll talk about the the palamutes uh later but oh yeah uh, i have them up next for yeah. in my mind yeah okay good um as far as like the wire bug is concerned um there are a lot of a lot of like really fun like kind of tricky ways that you can get around places that like for me, I mean, I played the demo a whole bunch um, and then you and I played a bunch and I, I played a whole lot, you know, on launch day. But it wasn't until like last night at like 11 p.m. that I started to learn some like really wild ways to get around the shrine ruins, which is the first place that you show up and like really like strange secrets that you can get to that are really high up in the air. Cool, man. I mean, they're, they've they've just been so considered about the way they've implemented the wire bug, like and, and really thought about not only how this is going to affect gameplay, but how how this is going to affect the like environment itself. And I think you're so right that it makes weapons that were like definitely harder to take on for, I think most people because the maneuverability was so bad, like the great sword, for example, which like re- requires just so much patience and time. And like, you're going to miss a lot of attacks. You have to be really sure when you're going to attack, you have to sheath your weapon and unsheath your weapon a lot because if you have it out, it's so fucking slow that like, it's just really difficult to maneuver. It makes the great sword like amazing. Like I'm actually almost more in inclined to finally break free of the longsword to try out some other stuff because of how much mobility the wire bug gives you. Oh, yeah. And the wire bug attacks are so fun. The first one I had for the longsword is one that like I, I had to learn the distance here, but it shoots you up and forward into the air. And if you make contact with the monster at any point while you're launching into the air, you can press ZR and you'll like plunge down like like Link in Smash Brothers um, <laughs> through the monster. And it does a shitload of damage, which is really cool. And I just unlocked the first switch skill for this. So I switched out of that one to this other one which does like a straight up like fucking rad anime move where like you kind of have your like weapon is sheathed and then you lunge forward and you slice through and you'll do like one tick of damage but as long as you make contact at all it'll do like 15 attacks in a row that like happened apparently at like blazing fast speed that you find out <laughs> afterwards it is so That's fucking awesome. cool man it, yeah. it, I, it has just actually endeared me to longsword more I know I just said that I was going to maybe try some other stuff but like learning some of these new switch skills and like how to kind of enable more interesting combat with a longsword um, has just made me like love that weapon even more than I already did yeah I played with the hammer originally which like kind yeah, of was a big as, hammer fan I was yeah. a big hammer fan and I used the bone hammer so it was like yeah. as like 
and the, the hammer is is pretty simple in terms of what you can do with it but it is tricky to use because it's so slow and it also like each weapon does like different damage to different parts of the monster and the bone hammer has to be like a face attack you know you have to like be like yes. right up there it kind of feels like uh, i think our friend pablo described it as playing as captain falcon where like you've got to give it your all every time <laughs> win or lose you just gotta go that. for it yeah I remember I played as the hammer or played with the hammer in the demo and I enjoyed it, but I didn't feel like I hadn't played like a long enough to really feel like too beholden to one weapon. So I went to the switch axe and I actually like the switch axe quite a bit. I think I like it more because it's, it has the same like oomph you want from the hammer, but it's a little faster and there's a little bit more variety. So every switch axe has like an alternate bloodborne form. Mm -hmm. Um, So the first one you get is like you have your axe and you can, you know, swing it around, do cool stuff with it. And if you hit a ZR or the right trigger, it gets like a blade that pops out of it. So then it's a little slower, but it does more damage. Yeah. Um, And you can do kind of different attacks with it. I just built an axe that instead of getting that blade, it will just be charged with like electric poison. So I can do like poisonous attacks. And I looked at like every, you see a pretty, like pretty easy to read a skill tree of like all the weapons you can make based on the parts you get from all the monsters. And that's, that's the fun of the series is like, what weapon can you make? What armor can you make? The armor is like so fun and out there. Like, yeah. And it's always a surprise, like what it's going to look like, you know? So like you'll fight, uh, this like giant dragon and the armor is like a cowboy outfit. It's like, okay, interesting. (laughs) Yeah. Like why not? Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Uh, I have like an ear flap hat made out of a bear amazing yeah yeah it is worth mentioning that this game is like very fashion oriented or at least oh, like yeah. the community who plays this oh, game yeah. is very fashion oriented and i think you can i'm not sure if you can choose to present equipment but secretly be wearing other stuff I yeah think i'm not you sure might. i know you can do that with your your companions like your pet companions yeah. you can do it with i'm not i'm not sure about the hunter yet maybe eventually like maybe that's a thing we unlock later but the companions brings me to what i think is the second biggest addition so in world at least and i think you've the palicos have been around for forever a long time yeah you always have a cat buddy who is kind of there if you're playing solo to help you out they'll do damage they'll heal you um, what's cool about rise is that when you make your character really great character customization you can then customize your palamute and your uh, your palico and your palamute which we'll get to in a second your cat and your dog a cat is not a dog <laughs> <laughs> to quote Judy Dench. Uh, but uh, when you make your Palico, you can choose like what role you want them to play. Um, so you can say like focus on damage, focus on uh, whatever. I had them as a healer, which makes them, they'll plant something called a healing tree, which I then have to activate, but then kind of emits this like green mist that heals everyone over time. Really cool. Their name is Beauregard. And my <laughs> dog, King, is the Palamute, who I gave a giant baseball bat that he fights with in his mouth. And, oh, uh, yeah is wearing a like alloy suit of armor just incredible so the thing the dogs do is uh when you're playing solo you have your cat and your dog alongside you so you have like a party of three at all times which is really nice when you play with two people you choose if you want the cat or the dog to help but honestly man i see very little chance of me ever choosing anyone but the palamute the dogs yeah, same are so good so that they feel a little bit more combat ready just overall but what really helps is that you can ride them like you know like your epona or like a horse to like get from one place to another really fast 
so fast that they can even climb up. Like if you see vines or climbable wall, they can run up that wall. And you do really need that, even though you already have your wire bug and like other traversal stuff. Every hunt is a time limit, roughly like an hour in the beginning, 50 minutes. And as you fight the enemy, the monster after like a certain phase of the fight will like run off and like kind of disappear. And it seems to happen way more in this game than in world. Like in world, you would be fighting for like 20 minutes and then they would like slowly walk to their nest. But you could still follow them, like continue the fight if you were savvy enough in this game they just like book it like they actually like disappear sometimes and you have to go somewhere else yeah and i find that like that does give you a chance to like sharpen your weapon and heal up and all that you know eat some rations why don't you uh, but then to get to the next place, you like kind of need your dog. And I just find that so helpful that I think if even though the cats are great, I think that if I was playing multiplayer, I would feel like I was missing a key mechanic if I wasn't able just to hop on my dog anytime and like book it there. Yeah, it definitely feels a little <laughs> bit confusing, or at least it did for me right when I started the game, when you uh, set up your cat and, and you choose, you know, between healer and fighter and bombardier. Uh, and, and stuff like that, which I love that there's a whole cat class just devoted to like throwing bombs down. Oh, uh, I should have chosen that. That's awesome. Uh, you can just go hire one, you know. Um, That's true. But anyway, uh, you know, you, you choose your cat class um, and, and they're like focused on whatever that thing is. And the dog doesn't have any of that. It just like literally like fights all the time. But the trade off there in not being able to choose anything, but like having a dog that fights is that there's so much maneuverability uh, afforded to you because they're around. It's gotten to the point, honestly, where like I have so deeply incorporated having the Palamute and the wire bug, like the, the two, I would say, biggest mechanics that they've added to this game yes, have same. become so like a piece of my play style that I Absolutely. can't imagine going back to a different Monster Hunter game that didn't have this stuff. Because one of the biggest things for me that I like adore and we talked a lot about this with Ghost of Tsushima, how this was like one of our favorite Ghost of Tsushima things, is while you're on your dog and you're running around, you can still like harvest items and like carve animals and stuff like that. Uh, So you can like zip around and be picking stuff up. But alternatively, you can also use your items while you're on the back of a Palamute. I haven't tried cooking a steak on the back of a dog. I imagine that's not allowed. But most other stuff you can do. You can can sharpen your axe. You can sharpen your stuff. (laughs) My character's like zipping on a dog. She's like, yeah, these whetstones are the best. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's very silly, but... I have found a uh, great use. They, they added. So there's the item bar, as we mentioned, there's another thing called the action bar, which is tied to the, the D pad, which is like, I'm not going to get too in depth there, uh, but they do include a, a camera for photo mode, which maybe I will talk about later. Incredible. But anyway, one of the things uh, on this action bar is uh, a command for your dog. That's just called let me ride. Uh, and, and if you press up or down on the D pad at any time while that's selected, even if your dog is in combat, even if you're in combat, your dog will come and scoop you up and then you're riding your dog, which just introduces this incredible incredible like just experience while fighting a monster where like oh shit my my weapon isn't sharp enough it's dulled out a little bit all i have to do is call my dog and then i jump on the dog and i sprint around the monster so it can't hit me it can't even really target me and i sharpen my weapon while i'm just running around and then i immediately jump off the dog and i'm back in the fight it is so wonderful because generally in every other monster hunter game if you were mid fight and you needed to sharpen your weapon you are so fucking open like you're yeah. absolutely yes. gonna get rocked like you you there's no you just needed to learn a lot of ins and outs about how the monster fought to like really get into a position where you would be able to sharpen effectively like while the monster is there and attacking you 
generally that's what the palicos were for was for like drawing the aggro away from that monster so you would have time to drink a potion or sharpen or whatever the ability to just press up on the d-pad have the dog scoop you up and then just run away for a second while sharpening amazing it changes the game in like a really meaningful way it really Um, does and like just to put it all together one of my favorite things now is like sprinting with the dog towards the monster after it thinks that it ran away from me you know sprinting towards it pressing b to launch my off the dog wire bugging up above the monster and then drawing my weapon and like smashing it to the ground on top of the monster's face is like the most rewarding shit it's Uh, awesome it just just feels so good this game just like exists to make you feel cool at all times (laughs) yes and i love it and that's just one weapon that i'm referring to i'm sure like every other weapon has like different experiences like that but but the palamute just adds so much maneuverability and adds so much fun to an already fun gameplay loop that it's like amazing that they didn't have anything like this before i yeah you know, it, it, i'm glad they got there eventually in the end but uh here we are with the wire bug and the palamute and like if they i just think they can't get rid of them in any other monster no, hunter game no. now i think they added the palamutes i think were originally from monster hunter stories which is like a spin-off series oh wild i'm not certain of that but i think that's where they originated so they kind of took like it feels like rise is really just taking the best pieces from every game that has yeah. come out recently um, so it has like the introduction and accessibility of worlds with like, you know, some fun mechanics that have popped up here and there. Uh, but I agree. Yeah, I do want to mention just uh, you mentioned Monster Hunter Stories in passing. I just learned this this week, but Monster Hunter Stories is available for mobile. Oh, cool. So if you're interested in playing that, I don't know if it's out on Switch. I imagine it is because the second one's coming to Switch. But the first yeah. one is available on like iOS and Android. I don't um, know anything about it, but I'm I'm very curious about the second one coming to Switch. I'll probably check it out. Yeah, I might check out the first one, honestly, now that I know. Yeah. Yeah. that's available because uh, I've been curious about it. But anyway, sorry, moving on to uh, more good stuff in Monster Hunter Rise. Oh, yeah. Uh, the, the Dongo cutscene. Yeah. So in Monster Hunter Worlds, the game kind of said out loud without saying it directly. We're going to show you the best cutscene of all time. <laughs> and you're like, OK, fine, I'll, I'll buy it. You sit down at the at the outdoor kitchen and the Meowskular chef, this like kind of battle ready cat with a scar over one eye with a chef's hat, asks you what you want to eat. You say whatever. And the cutscene that follows is like an army of like Gordon Ramsay trained chef, cat chefs, <laughs> like, you know, synchronized, like pouring spices. And the Meowskular chef just has his arms crossed and he's like nodding proudly as like everyone's like kind of hitting the right yeah. beats and then his his eye with the scar opens and he puts like a little garnish on whatever you're eating and they all pose uh, and then you like triumphantly like eat it and you know like yeah I'm ready to hunt it's so good it is like why I love that game so much maybe like that scene <laughs> alone just the masculine chef I get it so yeah. the masculine chef incredible I, I drew him in the art for the game of the year episode just amazing character masculine chef for smash a hero anyway so that scene exists and it's the best cutscene of all time rise comes out and is like what if we could do better basically so when you go to the restaurant in the village in rise it is uh, they serve dongo which are like kind of three dumplings on a skewer right yes and you act i actually really like the system and because in in world it was like you would choose different things to eat and they would give you different buffs but it was a little busy it was kind of like looking at how to level up in bloodborne we're like i don't know whatever just increase my health <laughs> yeah that was actually one of the nice things about world that was like a fun like quality of life thing in world was that they had a button that was just like 
like chef's choice and they would just like give you a thing that they yes, thought made I sense just, for whatever hunt you were going to go out exactly. on. Exactly. I just did that all the time. Yeah, um, me too. But in this game, it's much simpler and I think for the better and that you choose which three dumplings you want and it will show you them and it will say what they do. So like uh, you basically choose what three buffs you want for that hunt. So one might be like you get more money at the end. One might be like you take less damage. You can sharpen your weapon faster really cool stuff that like gives you more agency but also like makes it easier to digest the information right and the cutscene that follows is like i think just like one of the best things i've i've witnessed it's it's a bunch of cats singing making a skewer of dongo it's like if the miascular chef is sort of the punk rock equivalent of of this masterpiece this is like the joyful pop version yeah and honestly to me just like goes one step further into making this just like a cozy game to hang out in exactly it's just it's just another thing to add to the pile for like reasons i think this is like the nicest environment in in all of these games i think you showed persia this scene and she got it because of the scene yeah my part my partner Persia picked up (laughs) the game uh i think specifically because of the character customization screen yes, yes, uh, and, yes. and this cutscene, um, and is now rocking the insect glaive and is having a great time with her first amazing. Monster Hunter game, which I love. So cool. Yeah, it's amazing. And it's just it's just so, I think it kind of cements like how joyful the world is, even though it's about fighting giant monsters. Like, you always come back to these joyful cats making you dongo. Yeah. And here's it's a always fun, great. Here's a, uh, an interesting thing that you might not have noticed that I just like found out because I was very much on the internet looking up everything about Monster Hunter <laughs> <laughs> yesterday but uh, during that cutscene, right at the end of the cutscene, uh when when the food is placed in front of your character if there's a little like tea leaf stem sticking out of your tea that means you're going to get an extra buff uh, Ooh, fun. which is which is cool i mean you'll find out if you're going to get an extra buff like literally seconds later after they eat the food and then it shows you all the stuff that you got but just like a fun thing it's just like a apparently a nod to like a, a kind of superstition or whatever the opposite of that is that if uh, there's a tea leaf stem in your tea somehow that means good luck uh so you get oh, a, that. That's you awesome. get an extra buff yeah it's wonderful it's so nice yeah i i love i love this system i also really enjoy just the idea that like you can set favorites uh which is like yes. a thing you could always do but like it just feels even better weirdly having this like skewer of dumplings to be like these these are my favorites i have like one main one that i pretty much always use if i'm going up against something that's like really fucked up and i know it's gonna be like a difficult fight i have another one that i use specifically for like monsters that i think are gonna be like an easy time or like a quest where i'm going out and gathering things i have like a specific setup of, of things that i want what's also really wonderful i mean we already mentioned there are optional side quests that you can take on that are like passive things that you do while you're doing other quests so that's like going and picking up plants uh breaking off monster parts doing quests in specific places that's cool there's another kind of side quest that exists as well that i really really uh, enjoy uh, which are requests that you get from different people in the camp or different people in the village. And they will come from all walks of life, which I really appreciate. They'll come yeah. from like NPCs that are merchants. They'll come from NPCs that are not merchants. They'll just kind of come from wherever. And it seems like they're random. I, I found because I've noticed that like I think you and Persia have both had different requests than, than I've gotten. Like she got one recently that allowed her to unlock another camp in the shrine ruins, which I didn't even oh, realize cool. you could do, which is very cool. But I got one recently from uh, the, the outdoor chef 
um, who like wanted me to find some extra ingredients. And when I did that, I unlocked different kinds of dango that I could order now, which is great, um, which is kind of a bummer if you're like a person who is like specifically trying to unlock more, like you really just kind of have to luck out with the requests that you get. But that said, I mean, I'm glad that I got that quest because uh, now I have new kinds of I can't of imagine there are like that many to draw from either though. Like I feel like you'll eventually get them, you know, like it's not like infinite. Yeah. And also when you hit level three, you unlock so many more, you know, I got, I got yeah. one now that I pretty much always use that levels up your your cats and dogs faster um which i pretty much like always have equipped because uh it's also worth mentioning the cats and dogs there's so much shit in this game i love it um (laughs) your cats and dogs when they hit level 5 10 15 and 20 they unlock new skills that you can equip which is like just amazing and and they'll have different ones that are like oh yeah now my dog can never be poisoned or like now my cat will never be tired or whatever um my cat does not sleep (laughs) my cat doesn't sleep at all yeah i don't know what's up with your cat but my cat doesn't sleep i've Uh, killed eight bears Roths in a week. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to mention also on the action bar, um, they added uh, they added a thing called a cohoot, which is like an oh, yeah, owl. I still don't know what it is. Yeah, it's an owl that you get that you name and you can like dress up and and the owl you can then feed and pet. And I am absolutely unsure why they're in the game. I'm I love, I love having them. an owl. Yeah, yeah, they're cute and they're fun. And the animations of like feeding them and petting them is great. But yeah, they're like, you got a cohoot now. It's OK. Yeah, cool. you can't use them on a quest. You can only use them in the village. You can only use them in certain places in the village. And by that, I mean, I think you can only use them in like the main hub of the village. Yeah. Uh, like you can't you can't access them in the buddy area. You can't access them in like the hub quest area. Um, it's really just like the main area for some reason. I'm not sure why. What I do like about the Kohoot, though, the the thing that I really appreciate um, is that they will like collect items at random for you, which is very fun. Uh, fun. Um, and and you can go back to the buddy area, and if you use your wire bug to like climb all the way up to the top of the trees, you can find their nest, and they'll just like have a bunch of items there for you, which is great. So you just that get, might like, be like items. all they do, honestly, and that's yeah. probably fine. Yeah, I'm wondering if they're like gonna add anything else. It is worth another thing that's definitely worth mentioning is like the entirety of the game isn't here yet, and that's why like some reviews that have come out are reviews in progress, quote unquote, is because apparently the higher hunter ranks like aren't implemented in the game yet and there's a couple monsters that they just like haven't added which i imagine there's people online who are upset about that but like also if you've already made it through every single piece of content in this game and like you're like oh i really need it's like i don't i don't know how you like managed to accomplish that that quickly um (laughs) yeah that means that you love monster hunter so much that you want more of it and like the whole point of the game is that you replay hunts that you're doing so like right and it's all being added at the end of april i think and it's free it's a free update from what i know which is great so I imagine it was probably like they didn't want to delay it. So they're like, okay, let's just release like 80% of it. And then we'll add the rest in like a week, which like, yeah, is kind of a weird thing to do. But I think it's, it's going to be fine because again, if you get to the very end this quickly, it means that you're going to, you know, you can take a week off and then have more fun. Yeah. You're going to come back. And that was, that was kind of the second thing I was going to say was like, even like from a cynical marketing perspective, it's kind of nice. Like if, if you and I play through everything somehow, you know, before the end of April, and then we like take a couple of weeks off, then we come back and do like the highest hunter rank stuff later that's cool actually <laughs> like i yeah i kind of i kind of like that uh that, that 
like cyclical return. It's kind of like Animal Crossing in that way. I'm trying to think what else I should touch on. I mean, there's so much stuff in this game to mention. I guess I just want to say, like, because you, you brought up a lot there that I think kind of drills a point I might have already made home, but like the fact that this is a village in which I can order the usual and I want to click chit chat with like the blacksmith and the people who give quests just like yeah. really cements how endeared you are to the setting, even if you don't care at all about the story. I think right. like no matter what your investment is in the narrative, you're going to like care about this place and enjoy being there. And it's in those kind of like ritualistic moments of, you know, ordering the usual. And that's also something that I think not to, you know, go too off topic, but I think that this game to me is weirdly hitting like an emotional nerve of what it's going to feel like slowly reentering a post vaccine world. <laughs> where It's yeah. like, you know, if, if Animal Crossing was like the game that like got us all through quarantine, Monster Hunter is like weirdly like the kind of bridge between like being back in like a more regular routine, but also having something that feels like the world outside. You yeah. know, I thought you were going to say, I, I don't care about the story of real life, but I do like the people a lot. I mean, that kind of fits too. <laughs> <laughs> what is the story of real life? Like the I don't know, there's a ship stuck know. in the Suez or something. <laughs> the story of real life. Yeah, I'm I'm so with you. And it actually leads to literally maybe the only like negative that I have about this game is like I almost wish that the story was better because they did such a good job with the characters. Like I wish that I wish that the, they were telling an interesting story with these incredible characters that they've made. But outside of that, I don't like I don't really care that much because that's not what I'm here for. You know, that would have been a nice cherry on top. But like I'm fine without it. There's still room. I mean, I think like worlds eventually got kind of high stakes in a way that like sort of worked near the end. So like. Yeah. You know, I I imagine that there there's potential for like some of the later moments in the campaign to like have some kind of resonance. But yeah, I mean they the game is very self aware of like what you're playing it for. You know, right, right. So I I I agree with that. I won the lottery scanning my wedding Bowser amiibo. I want to say that too proudly. I love that. Yeah, you can yeah, the- scan amiibos and there's like a a little lottery in the merchant area. You'll just get like random items. But like, I was like, what if I scan wedding bows? And they're like, you did it, Jackpot! <laughs> <laughs> so, hell yeah. yeah. I seem to win no matter what. You always get like something. I've so, always won yeah. as well, I've noticed. But um, there's bingo and then there's jackpot. Like yes. bingo, you just get like kind of, but even jackpot, I couldn't, I, I won like honey and like dung bombs. I'm like, okay. I did get a jackpot once. Uh, and this is actually one of the things I wanted to mention, um, just in terms of uh, this game being just nice uh but you get a house as you always get in these games um and one of the jackpots i won actually was like a little like trophy that i could put in my house which was nice oh yeah over over the course of the game uh you unlock like different scrolls that you can hang up in your house which is really nice but you also get a bunch of uh places on like shelves and around your house to put up um the different the different like trinkets that you get i think is what they're called so i have like one that's like a nice like little pinwheel toy that looks like a palamute which is cute oh that's Um, awesome but but the third thing that you can customize in your house you have three picture frames where you can select the photos that you've taken and put them up and and this is like i think the biggest like brain blast thing for me was just like realizing that they added this camera they included the camera in the tutorial they're like they really went ham on like telling you that this camera was important you can go around and you can take pictures of like monsters you can take pictures of people in the village you can take pictures of pretty much anything and it will immediately save it to, you know, your album in the game, but it'll also save it to your switch as like yeah. a screenshot essentially, which is like my favorite shit. It's um, awesome. And, uh, and you can take any of them and you can hang them up in your house, which I just like adore. So I have, I have a picture of, of you and your dog like eating, um, like, 
hung up from when you and I played multiplayer together, which is really That's nice. That's awesome. That's um, so cool. You you and I took really uh, wonderful pictures with our dogs, like just out in the middle of the village, like doing like a really fun pose uh, yes. that I really love that I use as a thumbnail for the episode uh, that we did on Twitch. And like, I just have like a really nice like picture. Like I've just been taking pictures like nonstop as I always do in games with photo modes. But something about like the coziness of this game just like makes me want to take pictures of pretty much everything, uh, which is great. But also like the experience of going out into the world and taking pictures of like the the flora and fauna and specifically like the big ass monsters is really really fun and yeah. I, I tweeted this like lit- I think it was like 1am last night like right before I passed out <laughs> I, I, I just tweeted like I think Monster Hunter Rise is gonna be a better new Pokemon Snap game than new Pokemon Snap potentially because <laughs> like Maybe. Yeah. going out and taking a, a picture of a great Azuchi as it's like launching itself at me with its yes. claws out is so fun yes. uh, and you know and like what I maybe the best thing about the camera is that you can still dodge roll out of the way while using the camera so like you could be there taking a picture and then immediately press B and like dodge out of the way and you leave the camera menu and you're like back in the world and like moving around and you can keep doing what you're doing I have like at least one good picture of pretty much every monster that I fought so far because it's just become like part of my routine is like going out and capturing everything that's what I did in Breath of the Wild a lot because you had yes. like the whole like Hyrule decks with the with the like switch camera you get yeah oh, I love that yeah that was I remember like trying to get really dangerous shots of like Malduga as it's like right by my face. Yes. And like, you know, I, I agree. I don't think it will be there, but I wonder if there's going to be any component of new Pokemon Snap that incorporates like that risk of like, you know, like <laughs> actually getting, you know, like what happens when you try to take a picture of a Gyarados or something. Right. Probably not. It's probably more of like a, can you get it in time before you pass? Uh, which is like what the original was all about. Yeah. But, I mean, um, I'm sure it's going to be very similar to the original. Yeah. But I've just I've really enjoyed the way they've incorporated photos in this game, because like in so many games, photo mode is literally just like a way for you to create marketing material to tweet out for whatever <laughs> game it is, you know, like, which is I love fine. Monsanto. I love Monsanto. <laughs> I love Monsanto. I love it. I love it. I love it. I, I, I as much as I like really appreciate photo mode in a lot of games like that, that is kind of what it feels like. <laughs> Thanks for bearing with that. <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, I'm here for you. Um, Thank you. Appreciate it. But uh, but but Monster Hunter <laughs> kind of like took it a step further, I think, and kind of like makes it an endemic part of the game and like makes oh, me yeah. want to go out and like I actually had a request once that was like, go take a picture of a rock lizard. And I had to like go find like a place where a rock lizard existed and go take a picture of it. And I like made sure it was a nice photo, too, uh, <laughs> because that's yeah. just how I am. But yeah. and that's the thing, too, is like the people in the village who aren't hunters are like kind of fascinated by that world, you know, like, yes. uh, I mean, the quest giver says something like, oh, like we got to make sure like tourism is like still an active part of this place. It's like, it's, I just love that there are other things happening other than hunting, you know, yes. like, yes. but anyway, yeah, I mean, Brendan, I love doing this show, but the more we do this episode, I just want to go play it. This, yeah, this is too. like one of those times where it's like, okay, all right, this is nice. That's nice, honey. Let's go play. <laughs> yeah. Should we wrap up then? Yeah, I think so. I mean, honestly, more accurately, I think we've, probably covered most of it i imagine we'll talk about this again especially if we get into like later game stuff that like changes anything or yeah you and i stopped doing the multiplayer quests right before like the big one that led us on to the next hunter yeah uh, which i'm I'm excited to get to i'm right at the start of the three star village quests i've seen three areas now the shrine ruins the frost islands and the desert area cool 
I really like the desert area. The lighting there is like really beautiful. It's really um, good. I, yeah. I have just about finished the level three quests. Oh, uh, cool. And I'm about to move on to level four. But I've also gone and done every single quest was uh, because I am just being a completionist for some reason. The game is kind of driving me to do that. Yes, yes, exactly. Uh, similar to Ghost of Tsushima in that way, where it's like I just get so much gratification just like checking things off in this game. Yeah. And I think yeah. that's d- due to the art style and due to like just how pleasing it is to be there. Totally. Yeah. I'm, I'm very excited to go fight that big monster with you eventually. Um, the big frog. I, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I just <laughs> want to mention we will probably stream this game a bunch. I will probably stream this game a bunch as well uh, yeah. individually. But whenever Steven is available, we'll do it together. I, I think this is a game that we're going to play a lot on the Internet uh, specifically. So if, <laughs> if uh, you want to follow us on Twitch or YouTube, go do that. We're going to play it a lot on the Internet. That's great. I love when you say on the Internet or online. It gets me every time. It's like it, it doesn't it doesn't have to make sense. But yeah, man, it's it is so good. Again, as someone who's like kind of a more recent convert to the series, I think it's the best one. It sounds like you think it's the best one based on your long time with the series. Yeah, um, I haven't had this much fun this quickly with a Monster Hunter game. Definitely. Yeah, I do think the the one like because you were talking earlier, I think in the first segment uh, specifically about like Monster Hunter World versus this game. And like there are instances in which people will probably like Monster Hunter World more. And I think the two places where that really would shine is number one, the locales being so weird in Monster Hunter World. It, it feels like they took a lot of risks and I don't think they did that as much um, in this game, specifically because they just wanted to make a more like believable, cohesive of place which is great and i i appreciate that more to be honest but I, I did really like some of the stuff in world the other thing i think that's really important about world that that really got me was just the the interactions between the monsters yes yes you know as, as we mentioned that circle of life thing but more specifically the way the monsters interacted with the environment uh you know so like a dragon crashing into a wall like could actually uncover an entire new area in that place um and things like that that just aren't available in rise you know like there was a lot of like environmental destruction happening in world because these things were so huge and they like really leaned into that um and that is like pretty much completely absent in rise that doesn't mean that the monsters won't attack each other still um and we didn't even mention like the fact that you can uh get on the back of a monster and use it to attack another monster uh which is like a whole other aspect of the game that i i thought was very silly and i didn't like at the beginning and now i use constantly um i very much come around on but i i do think that those are the two things that world really has going for it um are, are just like the the horsepower they have in the consoles that they launched on allows them to do a lot more both graphically and in terms of like the environment and and then just like the environments themselves being like really kind of out there that's but, a great uh, point and again and us saying this is the best one it's like we thought that about worlds like a week ago um and that yeah. could change too like the more like it, it's still very recent but the good news is that they're both incredible games and depending on what system you have i would highly recommend one or the other or right. both yeah as we mentioned world is on game pass so like if you have an yeah. xbox like pff, come on what are you doing <laughs> come on one thing i will say though is that i agree that the settings of worlds were a little bit more at least so far you know I, i'm sure it might change as we play more of it but the settings of world were like a little bit more creative and out there and and dynamic yep. i think the monster designs in rise are way better though like oh i think God, that yeah. like as creative as the settings were a lot of the monsters were like it's dinosaur but it's got human hands or whatever <laughs> you know like it was a dino well, actually that's great but it would be like dinosaur-esque the yeah. most creative one i remember was like the bat that puffed up but i think rise is taking advantage of like the more kind of uh there's like more like folklore inspiration in the monsters so yeah. like there are some familiar faces that will pop up like the baroth and the uh, raptor with the rock and the pots but um 
some of the ones they've added here are like really cool. Like there's the one that's just like a weird, like long worm with like a human mouth. It's so scary. I yeah. literally just fought. I, I, <laughs> it's so funny. I just said like earlier this morning, I was like, I need to fight this one before we record the episode today. Uh, I just yeah. like really wanted to, for some reason, have that in my memory bank of things that I've accomplished is fighting that thing. But that is like easily the scariest monster I've seen in any of these games. It is so yeah. disconcerting. And all of the armor that you can build, all the armor and weapons that you can build out of that thing's parts just mortifying the cat <laughs> outfit that you get from the kezu is so scary it's like a weird like scary nurse's outfit um ah, like silent hill yeah. yeah uh and then for some reason both the dog and the hunter get like assassin's creed outfits but it's like made out of this thing's <laughs> skin uh, so it's like it's you know it's like the white skin with like the red veins that they use to like high that's like the accent that's like the red accent color of the assassin's creed outfit it's so scary man i hate that thing so much i'm glad I like checked it off the list of things that I've, <laughs> I've killed. I'm just like, you know what? That's it. Actually, I'm never going to build any of this equipment. I am just done fighting this thing. It's in my hunter's journal and I'm good. What, what's been your favorite? Just as a nice cherry on top. What's been your favorite hunt so far? Honestly, I have gotten really into capturing monsters, Ooh, which, has, which has been really fun. And I, I captured the uh, I think it's I, I actually don't remember what it's called, but the, the the bird with the pot that we were talking about, the bird with like the yeah, rock in the pot. Yeah. I, I captured one of those recently that just was like a really fun fight to do. Yeah, I, it's it's kind of interesting because like I, I've built up enough equipment and I've like upgraded my stuff enough that I'm like flying through a lot of things. I feel like I've kind of internalized the wire bug attacks and like kind of had to maximize the damage output that I have that like I am flying through the game at a faster rate. And I I've seen some people mention online that this game is easier than most, uh, which is like fine by me because it means that more people will be able to get into it faster, which is nice if the stuff is a little bit easier. Uh, but it also means that I'm seeing more of the game faster. I'm very much into that. So I've been like flying through the quests. We're also, we're doing like one, like, and for context, the star rating of difficulty seems to go up to 10. So we're like, <laughs> we're taking on the baby monsters, you know, right. like it's, yeah. I imagine the end game will probably be more on par with the rest of the series, but I agree. Yeah, you get a hint of that when you do your first rampage, uh, which is yeah. very cool. I think my favorite hunt has actually been the Baroth, which is surprising because that's one that was in World. But I remember that monster very fondly in World because I liked that setting a lot. Yes. The Baroth is also i think one of the monsters in both games that like really utilizes the environment in a fun way so they're yes. kind of like they're this monster that's like very kind of rhinoceros-esque but its head is like a big just like giant like hoof of bone yeah so like if you attack its head it does like nothing like just it's bounces ready. right off yeah. yeah um and when it gets scared or when it gets like hurt it will roll around in the mud to like give it more armor and just like kind of like fling mud at you and i just like love that like i love yeah the design of that thing and it's a it's one of the first fights is like a little bit tougher but it feels like i, I would say like the, the three star hunts overall or the game being like okay you're ready to go like you're ready to like get into why this game is so beloved and it's been really fun uh, i really yeah. like the bear yeah I, I i definitely agree with you there the, the the level three stuff is where i'm like oh yeah i'm i'm fully back into monster hunter now um, yeah and it's great i mean dude i'm just loving the loop i'm just loving yeah, the loop man. and I, i'm gonna continue loving the loop and uh I, I will I will say this, you know, a little bit of a teaser, because I imagine we'll 
bring this game up again uh, as we get further in and whatever. I don't think that the rampage mode is like super fun. I will be interested to see if it gets more fun the more of them I do. The thing is that there's a very specific reward that you get from doing uh, mm. the, the rampage that I, I like a lot and I'm very interested in. Um, without saying too much, it, you kind of get these like uh, like vouchers essentially from the from the village for like fending off, you know, like 10 monsters at once. Um, and you can use those vouchers uh, with the blacksmith to essentially add new stats to your weapon. Um, oh, fun. Which is really cool. So like I I just have a I have a weapon or like I have a long sword that already had a pretty good affinity and affinity means like that's your uh, chance of doing like crit damage essentially it already had really good affinity and and one of my options for like another upgrade that i could add to it was like doubling the affinity that i already had mm. uh, so now i just have a weapon that like crits like i think 20 percent of the time oh um, my god which is like ridiculous i mean i'm just doing yeah. like a ridiculous amount of damage with a long sword that like tends to not do too much damage generally compared to some of the other stuff some of the other like bigger heavier slower stuff so now i'm like doing that amount of damage constantly which is really cool and i, I think that adds a lot of customization to a game that already had a lot of customization and I, I'm really into that, but I'm like, I kind of don't want to do the rampage mode to get that voucher. But, you know, whatever. I'll do them. Why not? Yeah, why not? Live a little. Yeah. But yeah, Monster Hunter Rise, incredible game. Highly, highly recommend. Yeah, you're uh, right. I mean, once we start talking about it, it's like we just get further and further in. Let we, me out. I want to yeah. play it. No, but yeah, I mean, as always, uh, we're going to wrap up now for real this time. As always, thank you so much for listening. We truly appreciate it so much. I mean, like... I, 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 we've both gone on record saying how much the show means to us. We enjoy making it. So the fact that anyone enjoys listening to it is always remarkable and, and, and means the world. Cannot stress that enough. Um, yeah. If you like the show, uh, are we, we going to say something? I was going to say something. Yeah. Sure. Um, I mean, we don't talk about numbers on the show a lot, but I, I will say this twice as many people listen to the show on a weekly basis now than they did in September. Yeah. Uh, of la of, of 2020 so like ama amazing like just like completely yeah. wild because i mean again as, as you just mentioned you and i started this show literally just a way for you and i to like talk about video games all the time we just like yeah. working together and like hanging out uh so we were like record the conversations and then put them on the internet so the fact that there's that many people listening to it now is just like incredible so thank you all so 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 much for doing that it's really yeah. it's really baffling it's really cool um, yeah it, you know and and honestly having this moment of an episode to kind of like cons like to kind of really recognize that and digest it i am not to get too into it but i'm someone who like can very easily go on spirals of of self-doubt and being too self-critical and like to remind myself that people enjoy this show and enjoy what we're doing is like really helpful for me just as a person <laughs> like <laughs> I, we, we we're not trying to be like hell yeah best in the biz numbers but it just like <laughs> like on a really yeah. existential level it's just like if something we have made has had any kind of positive impact on your life that's enough for me man i don't need anything else that is that's really enough for me exactly how i feel about it yeah so so I thank you honestly steven while we're just like going further down in the well why not like yeah i just want to recreate the feeling for others that i had listening to my favorite video game podcast you know like <laughs> years right. and years ago um yeah you know, the podcasts that don't exist anymore uh for the most part but like i just i just i just want people to feel that way uh and it's it's cool that uh we are like succeeding literally at all at doing that for people um it's really it's really nice to hear from people when they when they say that so thank you all so much uh if, if you've reached out recently you know who you are um we, we have probably responded to you um yeah thanks a lot thank you yeah we we appreciate you so much as you know into the cast online is the hub for everything you get the drill 
Um, is there anything fun coming out soon? I know before or after this will be the Mother 3 bonus episode, so that's going to be out. That was that was a tough one to record because it was just so long, but I think we had a really great time with I it. I still can't believe how long that episode was. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know how long it's going to be. It might be a Games of the Decade Part 2, yeah. but just one game. Jesus. Yeah. Whoops. I am also continuing my Nuzlocke stream of Pokemon Emerald, so that will kind of happen throughout the week. It might happen more because I, I have this week off, so yeah. I might have already streamed it a bunch. But um, that's continuing. Uh, I think we're going to stream Monster Hunter Rise every so often. And uh, that's that's all I know of. Is there anything on your end that you are excited about? Uh, yeah, I mean, just more games coming out that I'm I'm interested in checking out. Um, I, I've been kind of like, as, as I've been mentioning uh, on and off, like getting more and more into emulation, which means I'm checking out more stuff uh, yeah. recently, which is really fun. I do want to mention that I have played a ridiculous amount of Civilization VI uh, oh, yeah. since our last episode. Uh, I have like fully gotten into it the way I've gotten into other Civilization games, which is really fun. Um, and even the stuff that I was like iffy on, I'm kind of coming around on. So uh, yeah. Civ Six, uh, a, a recommendation on the iPad or uh, your computer, I guess. But outside of that, I, I'm trying to think of like what games are up and coming. Monster Hunter Rise was like, I think my most anticipated game of the year. Uh, yeah. Most other stuff that I was excited about or like am excited about, I kind of think is probably going to get delayed to 2022. Yeah. So like just, I, I guess like an inside industry baseball situation, but like most of the stuff that was going to come out in 2020, like did um, most of the stuff that like was planned for 2020, you know, like was in the works way long before that. There's a lot of stuff that was supposed to come out in 2021 that was like in final polishing stages or like marketing production stages and things like that, that, you know, because of the pandemic got moved to 2022. So a lot of the games that I think people were anticipating this year, like just aren't going to come out this year. And I think it's going to make for a really interesting year of video games because I throughout all of last year just kind of assumed that last year was the one that was going to take the hit. And then it kind of didn't at all. And it seems like all of that's going to happen this year. So like it's very possible that this is going to be like the best game that comes out this year, which I'd be very happy with. Um, Oh, yeah, but that doesn't mean, uh, as with most cases for us, at least for the for you and I specifically, that doesn't mean that there's not like a Hades waiting in the wings that's going to show that's up at thing. literally yeah. any moment when we're least expecting it. There's a I remember, you know, in 2020, we both were like anticipating, excited for and dreading the Animal Crossing FF7 double feature in March. Yeah. <laughs> And the, and Persona Five Royal and um you know there were there were things that we knew of ahead of time and then there's the things we have no idea that are coming that are a huge deal for us so that's what I always look forward to so I'm I'm very excited to see what what awaits us this year it's still so early but I agree I mean in terms of like stuff I know that's coming out that's been like on my radar for a while there's the uh, the near replicant um yes. remaster which I think that's in April I think I might try to get a PS5 in the summer but like that cool. also depends on like when things are coming out because I don't want it just as like a you know bookend yeah i hate i hate being so negative about the ps5 on the show but like i just really have not found instances in which i want to play it or turn it on yeah i mean i I, 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 i've said this before i know i will one day but i'm just waiting for the reason to get it it's the same thing with the switch i mean i got i got my switch somewhat later too we weren't doing the show yet and i probably would have gotten it earlier but like i got a switch at the the very beginning of 2018 and that was like the time to get it i feel like because there was so much out already because there was that like even though 2017 was a great year for the switch it was okay do i get this just for zelda splatoon and Mm -hmm. mario the answer is like yeah but like it's a lot to (laughs) you know uh, it's all it's all subjective to get it whenever you want honestly i'm really envious of my friends like i have a lot of friends right now who are getting ps4s now and they're able just to get like the hits for like nothing at all and they're just kind of playing through it 
or getting a switch now there's no rush for any of this stuff uh you know we we just kind of like having the ability to talk about things i think you will be very happy when you have a ps5 and can play the new final fantasy 7 stuff yeah man yeah i i gotta play the uh one and a half yuffie chapter absolutely mm-hmm. yeah plus final fantasy 16 now confirmed by somebody in the discord uh because i i don't think you and i knew it for sure for sure but like that that's going to be a ps5 exclusive so i still have a feeling that's going to be one of those cases where it's like it's a sony exclusive for like a year or two and then it's on other things yeah maybe but i need to play it first yeah. before anyone else also some rumors that square enix is going to add a shitload of games to game pass soon oh hell yeah which is very interesting and i don't know what they could be because like most stuff that i thought would be on there is already on there so like i don't know what's le- like almost every final fantasy game is already on game pass my big like i i think all the tomb raider games are on there already so like that really just kind of leaves i i actually don't even know uh maybe yeah. dragon quest like maybe they'll bring more dragon quest games to game pass i don't know or like the chrono game maybe you know like chrono trigger chrono cross yeah um i mean yeah, i mean they had a lot of apparently octopath traveler did like real well on game pass oh, i might nice. have been like dreaming of that but you know i think like there's that a just big, launched i think last week on game Pass. Yeah, yeah i think there's a big place for like they're kind of more a uh, game pass seems like a good place for kind of smaller experimental titles like that totally you know where it's like i think there's a lot of people that have probably wanted to get into final fantasy but they're like where do i start is this just one long story what do i do yeah and they're able to to dive in and check it out and see if it's for them and that's awesome like yeah it, it's again we're not sponsored by game pass but as it stands right now i'm like dreading the day it's kind of like when netflix was like in 2011 and it was like good you know and now i know it's exactly like, where this is going this has been a lingering nightmare for me too now, yeah everyone needs like three services and one is like your ex's aunt that you secretly use um yeah. but like i just i'm dreading the day that happens with video games where you need like three services to like mm-hmm. you know get stuff but as it stands right now now no one else is like aware of how cool game pass is on like a corporate level like the head of playstation literally said like ew i hate old games who would play them like yeah. literally yeah so like he's i i guarantee sony is not gonna make a system like this anytime soon as long as he's in charge unfortunately sony sony hates old games so much that they're actually from at least what the rumors state they're shutting down the ps3 psp and ps vita stores uh this summer so like yeah. all of those games are just gonna go away which is very upsetting um yeah such a because like of all the libraries like sunny used to be the best at that with like every system would play the entire old generation yeah. you know at like least at launch have- yeah like the ps3 the, the launch ps3 had a ps2 uh emulator or, or whatever it was i don't know hardware built in doesn't really matter but it could play ps2 games ps2 could play ps1 games initially it PS4. sure can yeah i have my i have my ps2 playable ps1 ps2 on my bookshelf with a sticker of cloud strife drawn by our favorite artist scott wilkinson nice uh, and it just like on a proud display ready to go uh, i ever want to go back to persona 3 fez which i yeah. will see so yeah, i man yeah it's it's a it's a huge bummer that like that's i understand from a business perspective that like it might be like a niche thing and there are probably a lot of things to put in place to like we talk about this a lot with game preservation but to like actively be like who would want to play a ps2 game it's like you have such a lack of understanding of your own intellectual property yeah. exactly <laughs> it's, like it's unbelievable like, that's the whole reason nintendo is in the place that they're in is because they understand their intellectual property enough to even know that like as shitty as what they're doing is like withholding it the way that they do. Like that's, that's one version of understanding their own IP, you know, right. Sony is like, not only are we going to ignore this entirely, but we're going to actively delete it from the internet. Yeah. And it's, I, I think you might've said this, but it's like, you know, as, 
imagine what happened if it's like, oh you just can't watch jaws now or you can't watch yeah as soon as you, you copy and paste this situation to any other medium it's nonsense yeah. Right, right. And it's just a shame. I, I mean, I think like, thankfully, there, you know, people have taken the opportunity to like, back some stuff up. But like, it shouldn't have to be the situation we're in where it's like, yeah, you've got to delve into some legally gray areas to play Chrono Cross, you know, right. like, yeah, why not exactly. just let me buy it. Anyway, all that aside, uh, I will get a PS5 one day to play Final Fantasy 16. Clive's <laughs> big moment. <laughs> <laughs> the official subtitle. Yeah, Clive's big moment. Uh, what, if, what if it was like a? What if it was like a Disney Channel original movie kind of vibe? Yeah, classic moment. It's like him on vacation, but like he forgot to pack his bags. Yeah. Oh my god, I would love if they did a Final Fantasy game that was like that weird. <laughs> <laughs> Like goofy movie energy, but with Clive from FF16. <laughs> anyway, uh, we're going to sign off. We love you so much. We will see you next week. Uh, and yeah, have a wonderful night. Have a good night. Goodbye or day it's or night afternoon. Time. It's nighttime now. It's like 1248. Why did I say good night? Yeah. Good night. Good night. I'm going to go make tacos. Talk to you later. I'm going to go make lunch. Good night. <laughs> <laughs>